Welcome to episode 23 of Hope Between the Lines. My name is Dan Herod, and as always, it is my joy to be on this journey with you on this very fine day. Today, I'm having a conversation with my pastor, Nathan Schrader. He has been the lead pastor at Highland Church for several years running, and before that, had the privilege of serving as the student ministries pastor and As you listen to this gentleman talk, you'll get a sense that he's got some pretty cool talents, and I can't wait for you to get a greater glimpse into who this guy is as a husband, as a man, as a father, and as a friend on today's episode of Hope Between the Lines. Well, Nathan Schrader, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Hope Between the Lines. Oh, definitely. Thanks for having me on. Oh, dude, I'm excited for our conversation. But first, I have to know if you have to choose between watching American football or football football, (laughs) what are you choosing? Uh, Football Americano. Yeah. 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 The the native country I was born in American football um, grew up watching that with my dad. You know, I think of us in the basement watching it on our big TV, not our little black and white TV upstairs mm-hmm. and uh, low ceiling, but he would get so intensely into it. He would hit the ceiling with our low ceiling when, you know, the Packers did something good or something bad. He yeah. was just a strong reactor and that is passed on to my son. So we watch it and he paces the floor. So maybe it's more watching people watch American football, Yeah, but it's American football. Now, have you had a chance to get to a Packer game yet? I never have. My son has, and my dad has, but it's skipped a generation. Um, sure. As with a lot of things with sports in my family, it skipped me. So <laughs> no, haven't been there. Well, technically, skateboarding is a sport, and so it is. I now know that it's in the Olympics, exactly, it's a real thing. That's a high platform of recognition. And so, for those of you joining us today on our show, we have Nathan Schrader as our guest, and I'm excited for this conversation. And if you wouldn't mind, Nathan, would you just take a minute, introduce yourself to everyone listening today? Yeah. Um, Well, I am, like you said, Nathan Schrader. I'm a husband of my amazing wife, Christy, father of our two boys, Isaac and Ethan. Um, I'm a pastor at Highland Church in Plover. And uh, then just some of the other stuff I love is art. You mentioned skateboarding. I was just out at the skate park on Saturday for the first time in like a year. And uh, just all of those things. Ultimately, though, my biggest definition and identity is in following Jesus. I mean, that's where my my values, my priorities, my worth, my identity, my purpose all flows from that relationship with Christ. So um, strip everything else away. And that that's the one thing that would remain about me. Um, I'm probably also a nerd in uh, but 
but that's changed definitions a lot in my lifetime. <laughs> it's more of a badge of honor now. That's right. uh, it didn't always uh, exist that way. So, you know, Star Wars, superheroes, computers, synthesizers, nerdy stuff. So that's that's me. Also, I'll just say your pastor, which is a huge blessing to me to have you in our church family. Wow. Well, thank you for that. Uh, I really do. Uh, just I'm thankful. My family and I are just thankful to be a part of Highland Church. Thankful for your leadership. And you have walked alongside of us through some pretty difficult stretches and just the way that you've empowered your team to be incarnational with the gospel, to be action oriented has been pretty awesome. So it's a privilege to be a part of all that God's doing at Highland Church. And we're just excited for the days ahead. So I do have to say this though, and I call you pastor Nathan, so forgive me, but it's just, <laughs> it's innate. And so one uh, of the innate, Hey, I, I didn't even try doing, and you pick that up. That's, I didn't even, wow. So that's going to stay in even in the final edits. Cause that was so unbelievably uh, dad jokish and yeah. Yeah, just grown worthy. It has to stay in now. Uh, so to every listener, thank Nathan for that amazing catch there. So one thing I, I absolutely appreciate about you, Nathan, is you are one of the more creative individuals that that I am in relationship with. Like, and specifically, it's the it's the it's the vision that you live with. And that shows up in like you're you're a full grown man skateboarding. That's a pretty creative thing. You don't see too many men doing that today. Uh, you're also a very good graphic designer. You, you've done graphic design for quite a while, and you keep putting out quality graphics. It's pretty cool. And then you've got this like synthesizer thingy, Madhu. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't even know what it's called. Is that what it's called? <laughs> yeah, multiple synths. Just a studio full of weird old electronic gear that I make noises with. So, um, But creativity has been instilled in me. My dad was an art teacher. And um, so around the house, it was just always kind of part of the air we breathed. It wasn't something that I felt like I had to break out and prove I was creative. He talked about it being just part of who we are as humans and, uh, and him being a, a follower of Christ too. He always said, that's part of us being the image of God image bearers means we are creative because God is creative. And so it's, you know, for me, it's almost been worship in a sense. Uh, there's been seasons where I'm like, come on, man, grow up. You're 46 years old. You don't need to be drawing pictures, making noises and skateboarding anymore. Be a man. But watching my dad, be the the most manly man I know and still play with mud. He's a potter. Uh, just set an example for me that creativity is not it's not just a pastime. It's not just a hobby. It's a it's a part of each one of our identities. Um, and I think, you know, people will say that you are so creative. And I think, no, every human is so creative. It may not be in the arts, but it may be in leadership or it may be in authorship. It may be in parenting. We all have this incredible gift of creativity. And uh, so it, I'm thankful when people bring that up, but I, it also makes me a little sad because I think you don't realize how creative you are. And just that each one of us carries that 
that God image of creativity inside of us. Um, and so I'll be sitting in, in a meeting or I'll be hanging out with someone and they'll bring up ideas that just blow my mind. And, and it's the most creative thing I've ever heard. And I'm jealous. I'm like, I want to be more creative. I want to think in that space and, and think on that level in that way. Um, but yeah, for, for me, the creativity is just an outflow of, of who I am and is part of my, part of my uh, tradition that was handed down to me. And I'm so grateful for that. Why do you think we feel so much pressure as we get older to not be creative? Like, what is it about American culture mm -hmm. that minimizes the, the brilliance of just cr powerful creativity? Why do you think we do that to ourselves? Um, I think it's because of the systems we're told to operate within. Um, there's guidelines. If you follow these things, that equals success. If you have a nine to five job in an office and you crunch numbers, great, that is success. Um, also, I think there it, it's changing in our culture, definitely. And I think that's one of the positive things of social media. Um, but that creativity is is viewed as a waste of time or immature and not helpful. Um, I've just lately been kind of reveling in this idea of lack of productivity, um, which sounds odd because that's, I mean, that's what we need to do. We need to be productive people, but I found the greatest productivity comes out of just being authentic to who we are. And, and I discover things in that creative realm that I wouldn't have found any other way. But I think the systems of our world uh, try to choke it out and this desire to be mature, this idea that maturity means put away childish things and coloring is a childish thing. Why? Who says that's a childish thing? Uh, so I think those are some of the pressures that try to choke it out. Also, I just think stress, stress steals creativity from us. It, it's like a hole in the bottom of our life that stuff just runs out. So when you're trying to parent and put food on the table and pay bills and get your truck payment in on time and, and find that job and survive a pandemic, you're like, I have no margin to be creative. Um, when really, I think all those things are great sources of inspiration if we turn it and look at it from a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. That's really well said. I want to circle back on you talked about being authentic and being kind of who you are. And that's a wellspring of creativity. Now, I'm a kind of a boundaries person. I'm a very concrete sequentialist personality. And I love having like definitions. And which means you and I are probably two very different people <laughs> um, in some ways. So finding ourselves feels like a cultural mantra right now. Yeah. And being true to ourselves feels a lot like a new religion yeah. in our culture. And we're seeing expressions of individualism now being championed mm -hmm. as like the highest truth. It's almost a gospel of our culture. Yeah. And so we've got our, our gospel of faith, you know, the message of Christ, the redemption story that began eons ago. 
mm-hmm. and being manifested in front of us right now. So that's our gospel in the Christian church. But I feel culturally there is a lower case G gospel. Yeah. And it proclaims you are saved by the truth of being yourself. Yeah. Would you say you see that or or oh, not? It is so widespread. It is everywhere, you know, to redefine who you are by how you feel. Um, it's from everywhere, you know, Disney movies, follow your heart, you know, just what do you feel today? That's who you are. And, and though that appears to be freedom, I really think it's, it's a trap because you are limited to your own view of the world, of yourself, of how you feel that day. And it is so hyper limiting in my perspective that people just, they think they're living in freedom. They think they're finding the ability to just throw off all boundaries and all guidelines and all maps for their life. But then what? You're left with this barren landscape of your own attempting to make sense of the world, but but it changes from moment to moment. I, at least for me, I mean, I wake up feeling one way, 10 minutes later, I feel some other way. Then I have my coffee and I can take on the world. Mm-hmm. Then that runs out and I feel like I want to give up. And if I let, <laughs> if I let those feelings drive me, what a horrible way to live life. And that's where, you know, there is a verse that I've just been loving for the past several years, um, out of Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do, that we aren't our own. We didn't make ourselves. So there's a higher creator, a higher purpose giver, and he has things planned for us. You know, uh, it's like going on a cruise and having a cruise director who has amazing things planned, but you're like, I'm not going to do any of that because I'm going to find my own fun. And you sit in your room and you're on your phone the whole cruise and you miss all that's available. And so I'm not saying God's some divine cruise director, but in some sense, he knows the best. He knows what we were handcrafted for. And so that's true freedom in my mindset. That's true creativity is stepping in to what he's already set us up for and created us for. Uh, But yeah, it has become a religion to identify yourself by how you feel. Mm -hmm. And um, I've spent countless hours meeting with people wrestling through these deep personal identity issues. And I just want to say, you already have an identity. You already have a purpose. You don't have to wrestle with it all the time. And, and you also don't have to align with culturally traditional Christianity. Um, Cause I think that's a big factor too. People are pushing against traditional Christianity rather than biblical Christianity. Um, and so helping people navigate that is one of the joys of my life to be able to, to just walk alongside people and hopefully be a guide that says, Hey, there is an identity. There is a purpose. Let's look what that looks like for you. So oh, that's um, so good. No, yeah. I, I think some people misunderstand God and I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by the cruise director analogy because those listening today would maybe never have even connected those dots to say, God is a cruise director who wants to enrich and enhance because, and it's rooted in experience, uh, a lot of individuals listening 
that may have had a, an experience with God through the organized church yeah. that may not have illuminated that facet of who he is. And I just, I'm going to go on record right now and say, following Jesus is the most incredible choice I've ever made in my entire life. Mm -hmm. My life is so much better, but not easier. It's so much more rich, but not in the ways that our culture always celebrates. My life is abundant, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I, I just can't thank God enough for that. So in your life, as you kind of reflect back on your journey, even the past several months, have there been any moments that kind of stick out in your mind? You're like, okay, that was a pretty incredible moment. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many, so many pieces of life, you know, this last year I'll, or year and a half, I'll just speak to that. Some of the biggest challenges I faced um, have happened over the last, I'd say two years. I got to the end of 2019. It was like, that was the worst year uh, in ministry and emotionally that I had ever had. Uh, and so I'm like, well, that, that takes the cake. And then 2020 was right around the corner, just Surprise. ready to come on in. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? You've, you've got a lot more to deal with. And, and of course, you know, with, with lockdown and with political and racial and, and scientific and medical challenges and then divisions in the church, all of that has been heartbreaking and challenging and trying to help people live with with life and hope through that um, has been hard, you know, mm -hmm. even like, how do we do church now that we can't show up together? And, um, and all that was, was challenging, but I found in the last probably 14 months of that, after the, the whirlwind of, of the spring and summer of 2020 was over is when the, the hardest part of it happened for me. Cause it was when I got through the let's survive mentality, the, we're going to make this work. And the adrenaline had drained out of my system. And I started looking around and looking inside and seeing, I had a lot of judgmentalism. I had a lot of anger and disappointment and hurt in my life um, because of how I saw people act. And typically I am not a judgy kind of guy, but I got so judgmental in my heart because um, people didn't see things the way I saw them because I knew I was right. And so anyone who didn't align with my <laughs> viewpoint must be wrong. How so prideful and egotistical that is. Um, but really what I think happened for all of us through this season is just the volume got turned up. Mm -hmm. Things that were already there in our life, but just under the radar got turned up so we couldn't deny them anymore. And for some, that was incredible. We saw people serving and giving and pouring their lives out on behalf of others. It was just awesome. For me, it was judgmentalism and pride that I thought, you know, that's not an issue I deal with anymore. Uh, isn't that a prideful statement right there? So fast forward to, honestly, it was probably three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I was at general counsel down in Orlando and, um, you know, the speaker was talking and just said, if you've got something in your life you need to deal with, come forward. Now, I don't know how many of the listeners have grown up going to church. I did. And going forward for what they call an altar call was just standard practice. Go forward, cry, walk away, 
and you feel a little better. At least you had a yeah. cathartic experience. Yeah. Right, you know? right. God does really move in those times. Absolutely. I don't want to deny that. But I was like, I am not going forward to another one of these things. But I just felt this tug in my heart. So uh, I pushed past my wife and she looked at me like, what's going on in your life that, that I need to know about? Do we have right. to have a conversation? Nice. <laughs> so I walked forward and, and basically God said, how do you feel? And I said, I feel hurt. I feel frustrated. I feel mm. tired, but I shouldn't. Those were my words, but I shouldn't. And I didn't hear his voice, but I just felt so clearly. He said, why shouldn't you? And I didn't have an answer. He said, just own that, own that you're hurt, but I should be more spiritual than that. I know the right answers. I could preach sermons about why we can overcome and not feel this. And he just said, own it. And I said, okay, I am hurt and that's okay. I am frustrated and that's okay. I do feel disappointed and that's okay. And then I just had this sense of him saying, can I have that? And it was like, the offering he wanted me to give, not money, not a sacrifice, just giving him my garbage, giving him my hurt. And it was, I didn't cry a tear. I didn't sob at the altar and have this cathartic experience, just felt this freedom. Hmm. And since that day, I have had such a, a lightness inside of me. It's not a blindness to the realities, but it's, I hurt Lord, help me with that. And just an understanding of the life and power and energy that comes when we're honest. Um, and for me, it's with my creator, with my savior, with Jesus, and just love and time with him. And uh, it was almost like I had to stop pretending to be something I wasn't with him, um, but then allow him to intervene in that and not just sit down in my mess, but allow him to clean it up, um, which is so basic but so profound when that happens. So for me, that's been a little bit of the journey over this last year and what's happened internally, uh, just real recently uh, uh, dealing with all this. And I know the work's not done. There's more, but as far as right now, I'm really happy with that. Wow. That's, that's really incredible. I'm really glad that you were, uh, you're vulnerable enough just to kind of share uh, an ah raw moment that you had with God. And I think when we understand that the gospel puts us in a space where we have feelings, but our feelings don't have us yeah. where like the dashboard on our car, our feelings are kind of like those lights and those, those meters, those gauges that reveal like, this is the state of your fuel tank right now. That's mm -hmm. a measurement. That is a feeling. I feel like I could drive for 400 miles. That's a feeling or maybe you've got like the, the oil pressure, <laughs> you know, the red light comes on. And you're like, man, yeah. I'm enraged right now. Feelings are just like the dashboard on all of our vehicles. And that's but, a great way to put it. I love that analogy that they reveal something to us. We need to see. And that's the beauty of the gospel. It, it puts us back in control and people think God wants to control our lives. He actually wants to give us back our lives mm. because we do a terrible job leading our lives. And so, and it's our fallen sinful nature that the gospel fully redeems, restores, and renews that Jesus, I mean, he effectively spiked the ball in the end zone and gave us back the true meaning of freedom, which is life with, with God, mm -hmm. reunification with the source of all life, 
God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son, Christ. And so I, I just love what the gospel does. I'm resonating yeah. with you because 2021 uh, was a year of advance for me. 2020 was a year of renovation where mm-hmm. everything just kind of got ripped down to stud walls. And then 2021, mm-hmm. just God whipped out his hammer and he started kind of building me back out. Wow. And I'm totally tracking with you on that sense of you can be 100% honest with God. Do we really think that the creator of the universe's shoulders are not able to carry the weight right. of our emotions? Yeah. No, he took syllables. He spun galaxies into rotations. You know, he used his fingertips to shape Adam, to shape Eve. He can handle it, right? And so I just love the fact that you got honest with us today. And I know that those listening are going to find a greater sense of freedom to be more real with God. Because again, he wants us to be in a spot where we have emotions, but our emotions don't have us. Right. Where we can survey the dashboard of our soul. And when the lights come on, we can say, that's on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Have totally. you ever, have you ever uh, had that low fuel light come on in your car? <laughs> yeah, except, you know, I drive one of the pride of my life is a 93 Volvo 240 wagon, you know, the boxiest old, I just found it and bought it. It's a car and um, it's always had a low fuel light that's worked, but it is a very old car at this point, what, 28 years old. Um, And so I was out with our staff. We went out to eat for someone's birthday and I was driving. Everyone's packed in the car. It felt like dad picking up the kids yes. from, you know, high school yeah, to yeah. go out to get food. And so they're like, uh, your, your fuel, um, is really low. And I'm like, yeah, but the fuel light comes on. Don't worry. We got this. It'll show up on time. So we go out to eat, we pull out of the parking lot and the car starts lurching, you know, <laughs> And they're like, uh, I think you need fuel. I'm like, no, that fuel light will come on. <laughs> Eventually, we got about four blocks down the line, and there was a quick trip, the best gas station of all that'll, time. That'll preach. Pulled, yeah, pulled in and actually coasted to the pump because the light didn't come on. Um, and I do have more to the reason for the story. Thankfully, filled it up. They'll are like, clearly, your gauge doesn't work. Okay. So I'm filling up regularly, but I think what happens in our culture now is we do so many things to dull those emotions that we don't realize we're empty. We don't realize we're running on fumes because we're like, no, I know if I am, but Netflix, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is we run to, maybe it's food or hobbies to, to mask those emotions because we don't like the feeling of them. It doesn't feel good to be empty. Um, but what happens? Thankfully, we made it to the gas station, but sometimes we don't do that emotionally and we find ourselves burning out. Or for me, it's going to the cupboard and grabbing some food I don't need. I know if I have a disagreement with one of my teenage boys, which, you know, never happens, parent of teenager, you know, speaking, yes, <laughs> if that I've were to tell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm part of a Facebook group. You should hear the stories. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, but it is challenging to raise teenagers. And so I'll have a disagreement, a conversation. Um, and then I find myself in front of the cupboard. I'm not hungry, but I want to put something in me because I feel empty. Mm-hmm. And 
And what I've learned is I need to go to Jesus in those times. I need to do something that fills me up. I need to read a good book. I need to listen to a podcast that, that speaks truth to me rather than try to stuff that empty hole with things that don't satisfy and actually make me sick. So yes, I, uh, I have had that light come on and I've had it not come on. And that's a dangerous thing to ignore um, a signal that should be there. Right on, right on. You said something in a sermon recently that was pretty compelling, and you're talking about your grandma and how she was just so heavenly minded and how that made her so earthly good. And yeah. and I just love the way you spun that um, because not everyone appreciated her zeal for the Lord, mm-hmm. but she sounds like she didn't she didn't care, which is actually yeah. pretty awesome. And I just think in life, when we are heavenly minded, we are going to be earthly good. We are going to be incarnating the gospel. And one thing I love about the gospel, and maybe for those of you listening today, you, you, you know that just like that light didn't come on in Pastor Nathan's story that he just shared, maybe you feel like the dashboard in your life isn't, isn't working. And here's the cool thing is that the gospel can renew and restore the dashboard of your life that you could now become fully aware of where you're really at so that you can live the best life possible. Pastor Nathan got a question for you. Um, Where do you find hope today? Man, um, in a lot of places, you know, uh, obviously for me, the ground level is, is in a relationship with Christ. Um, I, but just being with him. And it's like, like water being poured into me as I'm dry. Um, and so that's a, that's an awesome thing, but, but I just got to share, uh, maybe brag about one of my boys a little bit, um, looking at this next generation and seeing their hunger to make a difference in the world, their desire to not just live for their own pleasures and their own desires and their own comfort, but their desire to care for others and to pour into others. And I've seen this in a number of teenagers and young adults lately that has just given me such a deep sense of hope in this next generation that God is moving. God is is causing them to say, I don't want to live for myself and my own pleasures. I want to live to care for people to meet their needs to help them learn and grow and and uh speaking into my life speaking into friends lives taking a stand for truth and uh for for love too you know sometimes people think those are diametrically opposed truth and love love means just throw out any standards and and embrace anything and truth means the hard edge but when those two come together, as I see it happening in young people, um, and even in my own home in uh, Isaac and, and in Ethan too, that they're willing to give their time and energy to love others and uh, to serve Jesus too. It gives me hope because you hear a lot of, a lot of uh, people complain about the next generation and that breaks my heart because they're missing the incredible resource and incredible insights they have um, that we need to hear. So 
yeah, that's a huge source of hope for me, knowing knowing the story's not written, knowing the generation I'm in is is just one of many that is going to carry the light of Christ and the goodness of God to those yes. around them. Yeah, I I love how you're celebrating students because with my work with Youth Alive, mm-hmm. um, you know, for now 18 years, my family has yeah. been committed to student ministry in a full-time capacity. And personally, I don't have time for any conversation that disparages this generation. Yeah. I don't have the time for it because we don't have the luxury of time to sit and to stew on incomplete thoughts and half facts. Sure. This generation has a a massive affinity for technology. Sure. They really want to get the value out of their time. Like, sure. That's true. But don't miss the fact that this generation is our digital natives and are brilliant in the technology sphere. Don't miss the fact that this generation understands value and cannot be duped into Mm -hmm. platitudes and, you know, pomp and circumstance. This generation has laser beam focus and a discernment that is sharp. So let's focus on the good. Let's Mm -hmm. stew on what is absolutely life-giving and what's good. And it's all scriptural, right? You know, whatever is good, whatever is noble, Mm -hmm. whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think about those things. And so I want to be with you. I want to champion students with you because I think students become what we speak over them. Yeah. Yeah. So let's speak life over them. Mm -hmm. Let's speak truth over them doesn't mean we don't confront things that are unhealthy or dysfunctional that's our job as forerunners as as adults in the lives of students we are supposed to be on station for them and to help them but let's speak hope and life one final question who are you proud of today Man, you know, I, again, I can look at so many people in my life, my wife, my kids, uh, my church family, my dad, you, Dan, for your years of pouring into the lives of students and building bridges. Um, There's just so many people. My staff are incredible. They all have gifts and make me look much better than I am through what they do. Um, But I'm going to come back to, to my son. I mean, he's not the one that I would be able to, uh, you know, I'm proud of all of these people and not just him, but that he has, has chosen to give his life to things that matter, um, has chosen to live a different standard than those around him without being exclusionary and disconnected from the world he lives in. He is, um, a native of this world, but he is a definition that is higher than this world. Mm. And his call, you know, he's sensed like he's supposed to do vocational or full-time ministry. And he thought that was going to be a youth pastor. And because that's the path I took. And he's like, well, that's how you do it. Um, And that's kind of been traditionally young guys and ladies are youth pastors and then become, as I was told when I was no longer a youth pastor, a real pastor, which (laughs) broke my heart. I'm like, uh, 
you have never been around a youth pastor. They are very real pastors. Um, but then sensed, he sensed a change that he wanted to train and pour into people and come alongside others who are doing a work and, and support their vision. And I thought for a young man who is a leader, who is confident, who sees definition in his life to want to make his life about serving other people and that that was the vision God called him to, um, just woke me up because yeah, he's still, he's still a teenage boy living in my house that doesn't want to do his laundry and doesn't like doing chores. So I'm like, how's this going to work out? Well, it works. Well, let me just say, I, I identify with both of those things. So (laughs) (laughs) awesome. So I am proud of my boy, Isaac, and uh, just his obedience to God's call on his life and not just um, doing what's expected, but going above well, I I'm enriched by just the blessing that you you've spoken over your son. And I just it makes my heart good and better and stronger anytime I hear others speaking blessings over others. And I just think there's a power there, uh, literally of life and death mm-hmm. that we all possess. And I'm always inspired when I hear a father just praising his son and there's a beauty there there's a there's a power there and i just want to say thank you for sharing that really special moment with us pastor nathan if you could do one thing before you leave this earth that you haven't done yet what would it be oh man there's so many things i want to do yet yeah Um, we'll just go real real uh fun and not not serious or life-changing because we could talk about that stuff all day long i want to skydive i want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane um i would love to do it solo but i don't know that i have uh we'll see i gotta at least do it tandem once or who knows how many times they require that but i want to do that just that sense of free fall is that something you've ever done dan not yet but i'm in that club with you I also would love to defy all reason, Mm -hmm. pay somebody an exorbitant amount of money (laughs) so that they can be strapped to my backside and fall with me through the air. I'm, I've never done it yet, but it is on the bucket list. That's great. Same here. Maybe we'll have to do it together. Awesome. I'm in. That would be fun. I'm in. So Nathan, I can't thank you enough for your time today. I know I've been enriched by our conversation, uh, your honesty, your passion, uh, the way that you have a way of fusing spirituality and practicality in in kind of a perfect synthesis. And obviously perfect is a dangerous word. Yeah. So we'll go with a, a powerful and practical synthesis. Like you've just, you embody what you believe in a way that is just really strong. So thank you for making the time to have this conversation today. I know that I have been enriched and I know the listeners have been as well. Thanks so much, Dan. It's been a a privilege to be on here. Just a great conversation. You pulled up some awesome things I didn't even know I had in me. So great interviewer. Thanks for this time. Good conversation. Appreciate it.
Well, there you have it, folks. We have come to the end of the line on today's episode of Hope Between the Lines. I am so grateful for Pastor Nathan. Really love how he synthesizes practicality and spirituality in a really achievable way, and it's quite refreshing. Please check the show notes for links on how you can connect with Pastor Nathan further. I'm going to give a shameless plug for the church that I get to be a part of, Highland Church in Plover. If you are online and you want to just kind of get a glimpse of what's happening there, there are resources there for you. And if you're in the area, man, please stop by. It is a a great group of believers loving God, loving people to the best of our ability. As always, may the Lord bless you, may he keep you, and may his face shine forever brightly upon you. Oh, yeah.